0: Crime does not pay.
1: Drop it, matter, Drop
2: it. I'll kill you. I'll kill you first. Not
1: if I can help it, my lady.
2: Michael, you're twisting my wrist. the stands against my chest. Isn't it? No.
1: And my finger is over yours. On the trigger. Michael,
2: I didn't mean it. Don't.
1: Perhaps you didn't mean
3: it, my lady, but I did.
0: In the interest of good citizenship and law enforcement, we present Crime Does Not Pay, based on the famous Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer series of short subjects. In just a moment, you will hear Voice of Death, starring John Loder. Crime Does Not Pay, starring John Loder as Michael Watkins in Voice of Death. Before anything else, Michael Watkins had charm. He was debonair. He was fatal to women, mostly between the ages of 40 and 50. Therefore, Michael Watkins had two sources of income the women he cared to draw upon, and his great skill as a ventriloquist in the English music halls. Both paid him well, very well indeed. The occasion upon which this story of Michael begins is one evening in a London theatre, as he concludes his bows to the applauding audience, and with his famous dummy, Mickey, turns toward his dressing room.
1: Well, Mickey, we did it once again, didn't we? Thanks.
3: For well, the wee, Mike, thanks very
4: much. Michael, darling, you were marvelous.
1: Say, Mike, she's here again. Mickey, is that the way to talk about the love of our life? Never mind the our life. Yours,
2: not mine. Michael, will you stop talking to that wicked doll and pay some attention
4: to me?
1: Mother, my dear, it's long past Mickey's bedtime. He really doesn't know what he's saying. But once he's where he belongs, you'll have all my attention, dear, as always.
4: I will
2: not share you with anyone. Now, hurry, darling. Take off that silly makeup so you'll look like
4: my Michael. Hurry now. You have the lady, Mike. Why stand
1: there? I'm on my way, son. On my way. Ten minutes at the longest, (laughs) Marta.
4: Hello, Mike. Mike, we're set upon from all sides.
1: Do I hear any complaints? Now leave me alone with the lady. Into your box. There. Now, Dorothy. Sweetheart, where did you pop from?
2: To be exact from behind that screen. To be informative from an airplane ticket office.
1: Oh, Paris for the weekend, darling? Uh, Will you excuse me if I take my makeup off?
2: Of course. Not Paris for the weekend, Mike. America forever. But you can't, sweetheart. After After all... all we've been to each other, save it, Mike. Save it for the Marta Wingate.
1: What do you know about Marta Wingate?
2: I'm not my father's daughter for nothing, Mike. Dad is one of the wealthiest men in America because he always checked every investment thoroughly. I've been thinking about investing my life with you, Mike. So I checked.
1: So that's why you're going home?
2: No, for two reasons, darling, neither of which do I expect you to understand. First, my father's old and ill and wants his only daughter with him. Second, I have some pride, Mike. Enough pride to say to you, if you love me as you've said, you'll follow me. But I can't. My career... Mickey will find another voice for himself if you really want me. Goodbye, Mike. Goodbye.
1: Well, well, well. But Marta's waiting, isn't she, Michael? Isn't she, old boy?
4: Darling,
1: read this. I, Marta Wingate, being of sound mind and so on, so on, so on, leave all my real and personal property, with certain exceptions hereinafter described, to Michael Watkins, for whose love and kindness to me at a time when I most needed them. Marta, you haven't cut off your family for me.
2: I have no family, no one. The exceptions are my servants in a charity or two.
1: What if I told you, my dear Marta, that I've been playing for bigger stakes than this?
2: I, I don't understand, Michael. What more can I give
1: to I you? I have no intention of marrying you, my dear. But I needed wherewithal to put me in a position to lay hands on more money and power than you ever dreamed of.
4: How? By marrying that that American?
1: <laughs> Leave it to a woman's instinct. Think of it, Marta. Not only tremendous wealth and the power that goes with it, but youth and beauty as well. Two assets which I'm afraid you do not possess any longer.
4: I
2: don't believe my ears. I don't. I...
1: I
4: can't. Here. Here on the desk. The letters you wrote.
2: I tied them with ribbon. I believed them. Believed them.
1: Did you really, or did you only want to believe them? Isn't it possible, my dear Marta, that all along you knew the ending might be like this? That is why you kept your little
2: pistol there with my letters? Yes, the pistol there I knew. I suppose I knew. That's why you're very right, Michael. But I think you made one mistake. One mistake. You expect me to use the pistol on myself. Not on you!
1: Marta, I'm going to take that gun
4: away from you. No, Michael, don't move! Don't move!
3: Michael, I didn't
1: mean it. Don't, don't. Perhaps you didn't mean it, my lady, but I did.
5: Yes? Oh, Mr. Michael Watkins. Yes. My credentials. I see, Scotland Yard, Sergeant
1: White. Come in, Sergeant. Oh, thank you, sir. And may I say I've been expecting you? Oh,
5: have you indeed, Mr. Watkins? Yes.
1: When I was informed of poor Martha's way out and the gesture of her will, the papers were rather descriptive, and my letters near the body and all that, well, I rather expected that you fellows wouldn't close the
5: case without seeing me. What can I do for you, Sergeant. Did you expect Mrs. Wingate to take her own life, Mr. Watkins? As a matter of fact, I thought her many threats were jealous hysteria. Oh, I see. And she had reason to be jealous?
1: Oh, I warned her often that there might be a younger woman one day. She refused the inevitable when it came.
3: Hmm.
1: Well, you are honest at any rate. I try to be, always. Um... Is there any reason for any other verdict than suicide, Sergeant?
5: If so, I offer any help I can give to track down the killer. Oh, no, 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 nothing, Mr. Watkins. Just the small fact that the wound... Well, it struck me that Mrs. Wingate's wrist must have been bent at a very sharp angle to permit the bullet to enter where it did. You don't miss very much, do you, Sergeant? However, the medical examiner assures me that it could have been done. You seem quite prepared to accept the limelight as the cause of Mrs. Wingate's self-destruction. Now, do I have any choice? Apparently, no. Well, Mr. Watkins, I wanted to meet you. And having seen you, if you'll excuse me now. Naturally. uh, Anything I can do, just call on me. Oh, we shall. As a matter of fact, my superiors have given me leave to request that you remain within reach until further notice. Good day, Mr. Watkins.
1: Whew. Apparently, no time to lose. Catch? Yes. That you, Pens?
5: Who's
1: asking? Mike Watkins, remember? Well,
5: a lad taught a few tricks too not so
1: long ago. I need your help, Pens. I'll pay well.
5: You birds always do. What is it? The check you want signed with someone else? No, no, no,
1: no, that I can do myself. After all, you've taught me pens. I want a complete set of identity papers from the photo stat of birth certificate on up. I want them in the name of Martin Williams. Get that, Martin Williams, and I want them fast. I'm getting out of the country, pens, as quickly as I can. <laughs>
2: Michael, you did follow me. Darling, the
1: name's not Michael. It's Martin. Martin Williams.
2: That's the one thing I don't understand. Oh, the porter will have your bags at the street level, dear. Come on, we go this way. Why did you change your name? I
1: didn't. Williams is my right name. Watkins was a stage name. Ditto, Martin, and Michael. And passports must be in legal names, you know, like birth certificates.
2: Oh, then that explains it. I couldn't understand. One night a call comes from a transatlantic liner, a Mr. Williams, person to person, to me. Mr. Williams wishes to speak to Miss Dorothy Spencer, and then to hear your voice, to know you were on the way... Oh, Michael, you're a devil. <laughs> will,
5: will your father appreciate a devil, Dorothy?
2: My father appreciates success, and you're a successful devil. Is Mickey with you?
1: I've abandoned Mickey.
2: Oh, no, he was cute. That's but...
1: done with, sweet. Oh, uh, I came into a little money, and while I can't take it out of England, we well, we might go back there and live on it, darling, if necessary. Oh,
2: that's for years from now. Come along and meet father.
1: Is he expecting a uh, Ben
2: He's expecting the man I love.
1: Well, dad nice of him to come to the pier this way.
2: Oh, Dad insists on doing all sorts of things he never did before. And, Michael, Dad's far from well, and he knows it. I'm so glad I came home in time.
1: I see. And so am I. Glad I came to America in time. <laughs>
0: In just a moment, Crime Does Not Pay will continue with Voice of Death. We continue with Crime Does Not Pay, starring John Loder as Michael Watkins in Voice of Death. A new country meant just one thing to Michael Watkins, a new field to conquer with his one great weapon, his charm. But Michael was wise. He limited this new field, at least for the moment, to Dorothy Spencer and her father. True, the music hall ventriloquist Michael Watkins was gone, and his passport named him Martin Williams. But Dorothy insisted that he accept Mike as a nickname, and Mike he became, not only to Dorothy, but to her father as well. The months went by. Mike was a permanent fixture in the Spencer household. You want me, sir? Yes,
4: Mike. I want to talk to you. How long have you been
1: in America now? Four months and ten days, Mr. Spencer. Ah, yes. You've been
4: my confidential secretary.
1: All that time but three weeks. And I deeply appreciate your confidence, Mr. Spencer, if I may say so. All right, all
4: right, you've said it. Unnecessary, my boy. I couldn't give you my confidence. I certainly couldn't let you have my daughter. That's what I want to talk to you about. While Dorothy isn't in the house. I'm listening, sir. Dorothy is going to be a very rich girl. Extremely so. I'm glad she set her heart on someone who will help her afterwards. You can count on me, Mr. Spencer. (laughs) I'll haunt you if I find I can't, Mike. And with a heart like mine, (laughs) you never know when the haunting may begin. Of course, Dorothy isn't getting everything. In fact, only about one third. I see. Even that will give her more than most. The other two thirds, after taxes, is going toward the foundation of a new university. Now, when a man has no son, he wants his name perpetuated in some way. You understand, I'm sure. Yes, sir, I understand. I wanted you to know this. I don't believe in surprises. Well, that's all, son. I think I'll take that nap now. Yes, sir. Rest well.
1: One third. Only one third. We'll see about that.
2: Darling, I just got in. Is anything wrong? No,
1: no, of course not.
2: Well, you look as if you'd been struck by lightning.
1: Nothing as <laughs> drastic as that, darling.
2: Then tell me what.
1: Uh, I'd rather not, dear. Yeah. Everything will be all right. I'll see to that. <laughs>
4: turned on the lights.
1: I did, sir. Oh.
4: What what do you want, Mike? Dorothy is perfectly all right, as far as I know. Oh. Well, then, what what on earth are you waking me for at two o'clock in the morning?
1: I want you to change your will. What? I'll do no such thing. I think you'd better. Are you crazy? No, just young and strong, with a good heart.
4: He's this a threat, sir. Leave my pillow alone, you hear? Let me up. If you think this will change my mind, I've taken care of that. Taken care of it to a point already. <laughs> Mike. just smart Don't fight, Mr. Spencer. Just slip away. Your heart won't
1: take much. Make it easy for yourself. There. Even easier than I thought. Now... Prop the body on the pillows. Good. Uh, The bell's here. So, cook. And yes,
4: butler. Excellent. Papers ready. Fountain pen. All set.
5: Come in.
2: Mr. Williams, there's something wrong. Mr. Spencer is.
5: You rang, Mr. Spencer. Oh, cook and Mr. Williams, too. Has he...
1: Has he... Uh, shut the door, please. Not yet, but he's quite low. He called me a few minutes ago.
5: Oh, have you...
2: Have you sent for the doctor, Mr. Williams?
1: I will, as soon as we've accomplished what Mr. Spencer wants done. So, so quickly, please.
4: Oh, anything, sir. Of course, Mr. Williams.
1: Mr. Spencer's made his will. What's that, sir? To be legal,
4: they must know I'm in mean my right mind... I want them myself to witness the instrument.
1: Yes, sir. Now, please save your strength. Did you hear that, Mrs. Mallory?
4: Oh, yes. I, I heard.
5: I heard.
1: And you too, Davis?
5: Uh, yes, sir. He spoke quite clearly.
1: Now, here's the pen. Mr. Spencer signed it while he still had the strength. Here, you know his handwriting. Uh, just uh, there. And there. Now I'll call the doctor.
2: Did you open the wall safe, Mike?
5: Of course, my dear. You had access to that safe, Mr. Williams. I thought only Miss Spencer and her father... Well,
2: Mike was Dad's confidential secretary these past months, Mr. Mason. He knows the combination, too.
5: I see. Well, a man doesn't keep his lawyer up to date on everything, I suppose... Open it, will you please? Oh, why, certainly. There you are, Mr. Mason. Thank you. Ah, oh, yes, these... These leases are familiar. And this is the first share of stock he ever bought. He told me once he'd never sell it. Yes, papers. Okay. Oh, this, uh, this is the will I drew for him. There seems to be one more envelope
1: here, uh, same size as that one. Yeah, no harm in opening it.
5: What? Why, this, this is another will.
2: Another one?
5: Yes, of a later date. Let me see. A complete change of heart. His entire estate to you, Miss Spencer, in trust with Mr. Williams here. I'm honored. I'm truly honored.
2: A, a change of heart?
5: You didn't know the contents of the will I drew?
2: No, of course not.
5: Oh, well, uh, briefly, one-third to you directly. Two-thirds for the founding of a university to bear the Spencer name.
2: D- oh, d- <laughs>
5: Now, you realize, both of you, that when two instruments appear like this, the signatures must be authenticated. Is that the usual procedure in this country? Oh, yes, purely a matter of form. I'm certain everything will be in proper order. <laughs> Miss Spencer, I asked you here to my office in strictest confidence.
2: You sound as if something terrible were happening.
5: On your honor, on your father's name, not a word beyond this room. Oh, of course not. The second will. The signature was far too perfect. It's definitely a tracing. Analysis reveals the faint carbon lines of the tracing. It's a forgery? I'm afraid so, and I'm afraid I must ask you to sign this paper. It's permission to exhume your father's body. The police have requested it. There it is, Mr. Mason. Medical examiner's report. Evidence of possible suffocation. Death definitely not from heart failure, as certificate presumed. But this is incredible, Lieutenant, Simply incredible. Not to us, Counselor. Not with a motive as strong as that forged will. But surely you don't suspect Miss Spencer. Oh, definitely not. But we've been doing some checking, sir. Including several telephone conversations with the Criminal Investigation Division of the London Police. Scotland and job. Exactly. I wonder, Mr. Mason, if you could arrange a meeting between Miss Spencer and myself.
2: Lieutenant Allison, I, I can't. I just can't be... If what you believe is true, I'll never be able to live with myself. Not ever.
5: Well, he was an old man, Miss Spencer. His time was very short in any case. And there is such a thing as justice.
2: You said Cook's story puzzles you about Dad speaking to her the night
5: he died. It does.
2: Mike. Mike was a ventriloquist in England.
5: Well, that fits. It fits everything. Miss Spencer, will you go along with our plan? Yes,
2: oh yes, only quickly, or I shall do something terrible myself. Oh. Mike! Hey a moment, will you, please?
1: Why, oh, of course. Oh, uh, something about the will?
2: Yes, Michael. About the will. I think you know Mr. Mason and Mrs. Mallory Davis. And this is Lieutenant Allison. Homicide. I
5: Mr. Williams, Lieutenant Allison has a few questions. Why, certainly, Lieutenant, anything at all. Thank you. Mr. Williams, I think you should know that the will which gave you control of Mr. Spencer's fortune was a forgery. Impossible. But true. Definitely proven true. The signature was a tracing. Mr. Spencer never signed that will. Mrs. Mallory and, uh, Davis here never saw him sign it.
2: That's true. You said yourself that night he signed it before we came
5: to the room. Now, you're imagining things, Mrs. Mallory. Davis says the same thing. Tell him, Davis. Well, I, I told it to you already, Lieutenant. I, I had no idea Mrs. Mallory had said the same thing before. But I... he spoke to you, told you himself. Let me read you this, Williams. It's addressed, Lieutenant James Allison. Michael Watkins, well-known ventriloquist, disappeared from London. Check of American consulate, revealed photostat, birth certificate, one, Martin Williams. Check of information on certificate, revealed same, forgery. If Williams ventriloquist, this office interested. Doubt concerning suicide, Marta Wingate. Send fingerprints, signed White, C.I.D. London. Your fingerprints are on the way. We found them on both wills. And Miss Spencer here says she knew you in London as Watkins. Well, Watkins?
2: There is such a thing as justice. Mason, Davis, look out!
4: Uh, you won't take <laughs> me! Any oh, all right, all right.
2: Lieutenant, is he here? Is he dead?
5: No, miss. I'm a better shot than that. He'll stand trial. As we both said, there's such a thing as justice. <laughs>
0: John Loder, who was starred as Michael Watkins in Voice of Death, will be back with you in just a moment. Now, here in
1: person is John Loder, Obviously, there was nothing about Michael Watkins that might be counted excusable or even as a saving grace. This man was evil, preying as he did upon weaker members of the so-called weaker sex and upon those who could not defend themselves. But there was an end and a retribution for Michael Watkins in this story, and as a punishment for every one of his ilk in real life. Watkins made one mistake, and that was enough. Our prisons and death houses are filled with people who made mistakes, but the greatest mistake of all is made when the person contemplating criminal action forgets or fails to realize that crime does not pay. Thank you, Mr. Loder.
0: Crime Does Not Pay is written by Ira Marion and directed by Marks B. Lowe, with music composed and conducted by John Gart technical consultant is Burton B. Turkus. The events, characters, and names used in the story you have just heard are fictitious. Any similarity is purely coincidental.